Well, hello to you, my friends. I am coming to you today from my basement. And why my basement? Well, because yesterday church was canceled, uh, which in hindsight, I think was a pretty good decision. That was uh, quite a quite a storm, uh, quite a storm. But, you know, to my fellow Copper Country residents, this is the time of the season where we either say to ourselves, you know what, we've had enough of this snow, or we say, you know what, we are, we're on track. We could, we could break the record. Let's go 400 inches, go big or go home, right? So that's my attitude, right? If we're going to do winter, let's do winter. But enough about snow. I'm in my basement uh, today because uh, a lot of times, you know, I mean, we don't cancel church often, but a lot of times if it was, we would just kind of push things back uh, to the next week. However, we were uh, planning yesterday on wrapping up the book of Job and then next week transitioning into the Red Letter Challenge. And I really want to do that. Um, and, and this book of Job, it needs to be brought brought together, brought to a conclusion. Uh, because as I said last week, there's kind of this surprise ending to it, something we didn't really expect. So if you want to bear with me today, uh, I'm going to bring to you this message that I would have preached uh, yesterday um, and uh, you know watch it at your leisure or listen to it on a drive later uh, but here here it is uh, grace and mercy and peace to you from God our Father from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ amen I want you to imagine a house that's rotting falling apart infested with insects you're going to look for a house in your realtor brings you to this house this one this dilapidated house that's falling down there are some real life real estate agents like this and their names are chip and joanna Gaines. now men here don't don't tune out on me uh you guys may know these names uh women don't get any crazy ideas but chip and joanna they're famous and they have a, a tv show well now they have their own network station a whole lifestyle brand uh based on their expertise which is called fixer upper they bring people to houses that need to be fixed up they fix them up they restore them but the thing about these guys are really really good they're really good and they fix things to a, uh, they, they bring them from a place that is terrible and they make them to be even better than they were in the first place. So they restore them to a condition that was even better than in the very beginning. Restoration. Restoration is the opposite of destruction. Some people would look at a dilapidated house and say, wipe it out, we're building new. Some people would look at it and say, let's restore it. Let's restore it and make it even better than it was in the first place. We finally made it to the end of the book of Job. And today we will see that our God is a God of restoration and not destruction. Now for the last five weeks, as we've been journeying through this book of Job, we've sat with Job in the midst of his suffering. Now, if you remember, just to recap, Job was a righteous man according to worldly standards. And he was allowed by God in a mysterious way, to be afflicted by Satan. And in that affliction, Satan wiped out all of Job's wealth, all of his prosperity, his status, his influence. All 10 of his children were killed. And then he was given a painful skin disorder on top of it. And then to top all of that off, 
all of his relationships fell apart. His wife accused him. It felt like God had abandoned him and his friends that initially came to comfort him, to show him support, have now turned and are placing their blame on Job. So Job and his friends have gone round and round. And finally, after debating, God showed up in the sermon from last week. God showed up in chapters 38 through 41. And God proved to Job and his friends that God is much bigger than they could ever imagine. They thought that God is just sitting up on his throne, waiting to strike people down and judge them. And God shows that he is invested in doing much more than that in his ordering of all creation. Throughout the book of Job, we've wrestled with a number of uh, questions and themes. And probably the biggest question we've wrestled with is this this question of why. Why does suffering happen to people, especially to those people who seem to be good? But yet, even here at the end of this book, that question does not specifically get answered. All we know at the end of this book is that God is with us in our suffering And we find out that suffering is not evidence of any sin of ours. And and so in all of this, you know, we've learned God is with us, that we will suffer. And and we've learned that it's okay to actually lament, to to lament. Uh, Remember, lamenting means to really let God have it, to be honest with God, to tell him, God, if you are who you say you are, if you're really God, then what's going on in my life? I don't get it. And so in all of this, it it wraps up uh, finally here in chapter 42. And this theme that we are introduced to here in chapter 42 is this theme of restoration. And like Chip and Joanna Gaines, yet on a much grander scale and in a human level, at a human level, God is a God of restoration. And like any good restoration project, our God is a God who restores things to a condition even better than they were originally. Chapter 42, if you're looking at it, it begins with Job acknowledging that God is beyond his knowledge. Job admits that he previously had spoken about things that he did not fully understand, claimed to know things about the way that God operates, and now he's saying, you know what, I I misspoke, I, I didn't fully understand. Remember last week we watched as God showed up and he took Job on this nature walk and he, he proved to Job that Job doesn't really have a full understanding. Obviously that appearance of God had a huge, um, huge impact on Job because Job's entire attitude and perspective has now changed greatly. It says here at the beginning that Job repents. He repents and he, and he turns to, to ashes and, and mourning. So what does all that mean? What is Job repenting of? Job is repenting, and that word repent means to turn away. So if you're facing something, to turn away. And Job is is, uh, repenting not about what he had said, not about what he had said previously, because God is going to make it clear that what Job had said was not necessarily wrong. Job Job is repenting from, that is turning away from his, from his lament, and he's turning towards a new relationship with God. He's turning from his lament to a new relationship with God. And so this is this is what he's doing. He's saying, I'm no longer going to wallow and wonder and ask why. I'm going to turn my entire trust into your hands, God. 
because that is exactly who you are. After Job then repents, after he turns into this new life with God, God then turns on Job's friends. And he says to the friends, you were wrong. Job was right. And, and so he says to the friends, Job will be your mediator, just as a priest would be. You can offer a sacrifice to Job, and then Job can pray on your behalf to me. And after doing this, they, they do it, actually do it. And Job prays this prayer on behalf of them. And, you know, I know it sounds weird, but uh, that, that system sounds kind of weird. But just remember that Job is acting as a mediator here. Priests in the Old Testament acted as mediators. Before Jesus came to act as our mediator to God, this was the structure that was set up. There were sacrifices. There were mediators. Jesus is our sacrifice. He's our mediator. But in this situation, Job is the one who receives the sacrifice and the praise on his friend's behalf. After that, we get into verses ten through thirteen of chapter forty-two. And in these verses, chapter or in these verses, verses verses ten through thirteen, everything is restored to Job. Everything is restored to Job. Everything that he had lost. And in this, Job is made more whole than he was in the first place. He is given a double portion of all of his wealth. Originally, if you go back to chapter 1, originally Job had 7,000 sheep. Now he has 14,000. Originally he had 3,000 camels. Now he's got 6,000. So on and so forth. Everything is doubled. The only thing he doesn't receive a double portion of, though, is children. Originally he had 10. And if you're going to follow along you would say, well, he must end up with 20. He doesn't end up with 20. He ends up with another 10 children. So why not 20? Maybe God knows that maybe 20 children is just a, a few too many. I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't be a blessing. Because that's the whole point in this, that, that God is just blessing. He's just pouring out grace upon Job. Now, some might wonder, what about Job's wife? She's not mentioned here. And she's not mentioned specifically, but it can be assumed She's still in the picture um, because it mentions nobody else bearing these children for Job. But chapter 42 is, is listing the things that needed to be restored and, and replacing given to Job. And since she was never destroyed in the first place, she's not listed here. After that, it says Job's brothers and his sisters come to visit him. They bring him gifts. They comfort him. They offer him sympathy. And what a great gift that is. Because I, I think one of the greatest things that Job receives back in all of this restoration are his relationships. Because these were the things that he grieved most greatly. Early on when Job was first afflicted, he grieved that it felt to him like God was no longer a friend of his. It felt like God had left him. He felt alone, abandoned. After his children had died, after his wife has accused him, after his friends have accused him, it just felt like, where, where are you, God? Not only was he going through a difficult time, but it felt like nobody cared, including God. His suffering was amplified when he felt like he was suffering alone and abandoned. And isn't, the way, isn't this the way that uh, suffering often happens? This is what Satan does best. What Satan loves to do best, and this is what he was trying to do with Job, is he first loves to try to separate you from God. And then if he can separate you from God, he tries to separate you from other people. 
And if he can separate you from God and other people, he loves to drive you into a corner and make you feel like you're all by yourself. And then when he's got you by yourself, he confuses your mind. He confuses your understanding of God. And ultimately, Satan's goal is to get you to reject God, to reject your relationships, and ultimately to destroy you physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Satan thought he had had a firm grip on Job, but God never left Job alone, and Job never denied that God would see him through whatever it is that he was going to face. So here we are in chapter 42, and in this time of restoration, Job is given back his relationships. He's given back his relationship with God. It is restored. He's given back his relationship with his family. It is restored. In the end, God is reestablishing for Job a community of people that is with him and that is for him. You know, as we look through the book of Job, Job teaches us a lot about what to do and what not to do in our own suffering. But it also teaches us about what to do and what not to do when we're called upon to care for others when they are suffering. In our community of faith, that is the church, God, God has given us the church, not just for ourselves, but for one another. God has given us the church to love one another, to care for one another, especially in times of suffering. And so we are called in the church to not let others suffer alone. We have the opportunity to love and care for those who are suffering. Do not leave the suffering alone. Do not let Satan win by tearing the suffering further away from the community. Because we know that suffering is bound to happen, but they do not need to be removed from the community. Because I'm sure you've seen this happen, and maybe you've even experienced yourself, but the people that I know who are afflicted the most are the ones who feel like, like they have been abandoned by people and abandoned by God, especially when they are going through difficult times. Hopefully, as you've been reading Job You've learned what not to say by watching Job's friends. Hopefully you've learned what not to say to people because we saw that Job's friends probably said too much. They claim to have a knowledge of God that they just didn't. And so when you're caring for people, when you're with people in their times of suffering, you often don't need to say much. You don't need to explain away the suffering. You don't, you don't need to see it in some sort of grander light. You don't need to try to figure out the mind of God, but simply to suffer with people. Because frankly, this is what Jesus does with us all the time. Jesus suffers with us. This is the truth of Christianity, that we worship a God who suffers with us. He suffers with us. This is what our God does. So at the end of this book, you know, if we're kind of wrapping this up as a conclusion, we are still left with some unanswerable things. We really still don't understand why God allowed Job to be afflicted by Satan. We don't really know why suffering has to happen to us. 
We don't really even know why at the end of the book Job is given all his stuff back because we know from our experience that that doesn't always happen either. But what do we know? We know that God is always God. We know that God is always good. And when we see our lives in the light of his greater, grander purposes for his entire creation, when we, when we know that we are called and chosen to be his very own, then we are able to see ourselves in a peace, in a peace that surpasses human understanding. And we can be at peace knowing that we have our entire lives entrusted into his care. And here's the beautiful truth. You have already been purchased you have been purchased with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. You are like a dilapidated, abandoned, stinky house that God has purchased. And God has bought you when you were falling apart. Out of all the options that he had, beautiful houses he could have chosen, he chose you. He chose you and he said, I, I see beauty here. I can work with this one. And that's exactly what he's doing. He's working on you. Restoration. God is working restoration on you. He has plans to make you more than you were in the very beginning. If you've never seen what Chip and Joanna Gaines can do to a dilapidated house, take a look at this one-minute clip. I think my first apartment was nicer than this. Chuck and Charmaine are looking for a fixer-upper here in Waco, Texas, in a neighborhood called the Sanger Heights area. We've shown them three houses. Two of the houses cost more but require less renovation. One house is a complete wreck, but it gives them the most opportunity to make it exactly what they wanted. We went back and forth, some heated exchanges. In the end, we went for the ghost house. What would we call it? The As catastrophe you, house? Yeah, you called it the catastrophe house. It's really hard to imagine it being something new and beautiful. Are you guys ready to see your fixer-upper? Let's go. Oh. <laughs> Is this the same house? Oh, man. That's, that's incredible. Wow. There were so many elements of this house that when you ripped off the porch, which oh was gosh. in complete disarray, and the landscape and the trees. I'm not hearing a word you're saying. Oh <laughs> it's beautiful. Like it, it really okay. is. Everything is awesome. I, I can't believe it. Let's go inside well, now. Let's go see your fixer upper. Right. Welcome to your home. Oh, my wow. goodness. Oh, man, those floors look great. These are your yeah. original floors, guys. We sanded them down. We restored them. It almost seems too posh for us. <laughs> wow, is the yeah. word. Yeah, that's all I can say. Now, if you think that that's something, wait until the end when you see what God will do with all of us. Because the end of the book of Job is a foretaste of what God has promised in the new creation. Because in the new creation, what we know now will be restored to be even more than we can imagine. We will be fixed up for good. And this is why he has already bought you. 
You are already purchased. There is no for sale sign outside of you. You are purchased. God owns you. So live like it. Live with the hope that you are loved. Until Christ returns for the final reveal, hold on to him. And friends, hold on to one another. Hold on to hope. Hold on to Jesus. In his name, amen.